invite you to turn in a copy of the scriptures to the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Continue in our study of Ephesians, looking at the beginning of chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 16. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, there's some located in the, in the seat backs in front of you. I encourage you to take one of those and, and open it and join in with us as we read uh, God's word as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. So let's give our attention to the reading and hearing of God's holy word. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. The phone rings, and it's your boss. Congratulations. You've just gotten that big promotion. You are now the head of your department. And the first thing he tells you about this new position is that it carries with it some awesome privileges. A new office, a higher salary, a company car, an expense account, a couple of weeks more vacation. And then he goes on to say that it also carries with it some greater responsibility. More people will be looking to you for leadership. You will have more impact on the company overall. Your input, your experience will be a lot relied upon more heavily. And then he says, I'm confident that you'll live up to the calling of this new position. 
And indeed, though there may be a tinge of fear, there may be some anxiety about what lies ahead, that is exactly what you desire and what you will likely strive to do. Whether it's a, a promotion at work, whether it's being, being uh, made at, uh, uh, taken up at the next level on a sports team, or whether it's being awarded a big scholarship or an honor at school, or any other call that brings with it a, a new privileges and, and as well as new responsibilities, there's an excitement, there's a genuine desire to do what it takes to live up to that challenge, to prove yourself worthy of the calling and the role. And as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I have received such a call, only it's infinitely greater than any promotion or award. It comes from someone infinitely greater and more important than a boss or a teacher or a coach. It is a call from God, the creator of all things, to a radically new life and, and new relationship with Him and with others. It is a call from God, the, 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 our Heavenly Father, to an intimate union with Him and with other believers as, as citizens of his kingdom, as brothers and sisters in his household, as, as heirs of all his wealth. It is a call that is not based on your background or your job performance or your abilities or skills, but it is based solely on God's grace and his love which is, which is given freely by his spirit through his son Jesus Christ. And in that sense, it's not a promotion it is a transformation that happens. And Paul spends, as we've seen, the first three chapters of his letter to the Ephesians describing in great detail the great privileges that belong to those who have received that call through faith in Christ Jesus. He says, blessed, we're blessed by, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We've been chosen by God, adopted, redeemed by His blood, forgiven of our sins. We have been enlightened to His will, made alive with Him, and set free and shown favor. And all of this by, by the grace of our great and loving God. We have been brought near and reconciled to Him and to one another in peace. He says we've been joined together with people from, uh, of all different stripes as members of one body, the church of Jesus Christ. And he says we are empowered by his spirit and filled to the fullness with his love and, and called together to reflect his glory, wisdom, and grace to all of creation. There is no higher calling than that. There is no, and there are no greater privileges or perks. We are recipients of a great treasure, a vast rich riches of God's grace in Christ. And here, beginning in chapter 4, Paul turns and he urges his readers, he urges you and me to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. As I mentioned last week, this marks a transition that's common to Paul's letters where, where he moves from, from an exposition of who we are in Christ to, to the application of how we're now to live as a result of that. From our new position to our new practice. And Paul refocuses his attention here from where he started back in chapter 3, verse 1. And he says, Therefore, for this reason, in light of all these great blessings and privileges and riches of God's grace that are now yours in Christ, live your life in such a way that reflects the worth, the, 
the, the value of that high position, that high calling, that privilege to which you have been called. Live in a manner that reflects who you are as a member of God's family, as children of the King. And what that looks like in various contexts is what the whole rest of the, the letter to the Ephesians is about. But Paul starts here in the passage we read in chapter 4, with one basic fundamental reality of that calling. And that is that in Christ, we as his people are called to unity. He has already been focusing on this reality leading up to this point. Through Christ's death and resurrection, the benefits he has secured, we are united, we are joined together in organic union, life-giving union with God in Christ. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, Paul says. His people are joined and built together as a dwelling place of God by His Spirit. And as a result of that that union, we are called to unity or to oneness with other believers in Christ as members of His body, with Christ as our head. So Paul says all other distinctions, all other differences that may set us apart from one another, nationality, race, language, culture, social status, economic position, all of those things take a back seat to our unity together in Christ. This is the the communion of the saints which we profess to believe in the Apostles' Creed in which The Westminster Confession of Faith, which we read earlier, so adequately defines the duty that we are to have towards one another because of our union with God and our union with one another. And so the calling we have in Christ is to oneness with God, to oneness with other believers. And it's a high calling, which is why Paul urges, literally, the word means he pleads, he begs for us to, to live our lives, to walk in a manner that's worthy of that calling, that reflects that reality. And we do that, Paul says, by first of all being eager, striving, making every effort to maintain this unity which we have received. Notice Paul says there in verse 3, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. And notice it's a unity of the Spirit. In other words, it's a unity brought about by a common supernatural internal work of God, not by the external efforts of man. There have been many efforts to try to to create unity, unity among people of faith, but often those efforts overlook the fundamental the fundamental reality that unites us in the in the fundamental differences we may have in belief and focus rather on certain common goals or particular agendas. And there's nothing wrong with having common causes and working together to to achieve different things. But the basis for the unity in the body of Christ is not found in, in common external causes, but it is found in a fundamental internal change and bond that's brought about by God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul stresses repeatedly the the common ground of our unity here. He says there is one body, speaking of all those who are who are truly united to Christ as their head. Sometimes we we talk about the universal or the invisible church, those that 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 God truly has worked in their hearts and joined them together with himself and called them as his elect. 
And that's, Paul says, we, we have one body joined together by one spirit, the spirit of Christ that is at work in his church. We are united around one hope, the hope of, of glory and the eternal life that comes through one Lord, namely Jesus Christ. He says we share one faith, a, a common conviction that God has revealed himself in Christ and a, a common belief that Christ alone is the way to God. There is one baptism into the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the cleansing of sin. And all of this, Paul says, is from one God and Father who is sovereign over all. See, unity, Paul's saying, is not something we create ourselves. It arises from the work of the one true God, the one who is, is unified in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and his work in the hearts and lives of his people, the body of Christ, which is his church. So if unity is something that, that is true of us, is something that we as believers in Christ already possess, what does Paul mean when he says we must be eager to keep or to maintain it? Well, here he's, he's talking about how we, how we manifest that in the way we live. He means to, to strive to guard it, to strive to, to protect and to demonstrate it outwardly in our relationships and in our work together. To seek to exhibit what is outwardly, what is true inwardly. And that needs to be rooted in that common bond we have. If, I, if my wife and I have a, a disagreement which thankfully we don't have often, but sometimes we do, we usually sit down and try to work through our differences. Now, it would not be a good idea for me to start that conversation by saying something like, well, obviously we must not be married. I thought you were my wife. But by the way you're reacting, I, I must be mistaken. You can't be my wife. That would be, not only be unwise, but it would also be untrue. Rather, in, in, in working and reconciling our differences and displaying our unity, we start from the basis on, uh, uh, that we are united as one. We are part of one another, and our unity is not based on whether we always agree, but it is in the fact that our relationship, uh, the fact of our relationship is husband and wife. And likewise, if you are in Christ, you belong to Him and you belong to one another here in the body and therefore we are called to live like it, to strive to maintain it, to keep that unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And Paul says doing that begins with our conduct towards one another. Paul highlights several character qualities essential not only to walking in the manner of, uh, of Jesus Christ, but also to, to particularly maintaining the unity of the Spirit. He says we're to walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. To be humble means to, to see yourself in proper perspective, namely in perspective to God. It's the opposite of, of pride, which is to, is to exalt oneself, to, to build yourself up. Biblical humility is not a, a devaluing of oneself in the sense of, 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 say, of devaluing our worth, but it's to see that worth, to see that value in relationship to the one who is, is worth all things. 
is to submit oneself and to find one's worth in the magnificence and power and grace of God. And so, so we see the incarnation of Jesus being the supreme act of humility as he comes and, and takes on a servant's nature, as he gives up his divine rights as one equal in nature with God to, to become a man and to humble himself in order to serve and to save sinners. And Paul says unity flows from, from a Christ-like humility that's willing to, to think of others more highly than ourselves, to have that same mind as Christ. And such humility manifests itself in a, a gentleness, a meekness, a patience with others, a forbearance, literally, literally putting up sometimes with one another out of love because of what God has done for us and the unity we have in Christ. John Stott calls these qualities the foundation stones of Christian unity that must be laid if we are to have any hope of visible unity in the body. And so such humble, gentle, patient, forbearing love is the very manner in which God has has treated us and brought us into union with himself. And therefore, he says, to maintain, to, to keep that unity, to guard that unity with one another, we must have that same mindset, that same approach in relating to one another, empowered by His Spirit. We must be eager to maintain the unity we have in the body with all humility, gentle, gentleness, patience, and forbearance towards one another in love. But our, our unity in the body, that oneness that we have, does not translate into a uniformity. It doesn't mean that we're all exactly the same, obviously. Though we are all one, we are all different. And we are eager to maintain that unity of the Spirit, but we are also, Paul says, equipped to manifest that unity together through the diversity of gifts which God has given His church. And He's given to each member of His body for the purpose of serving and and strengthening and building up the body of Christ. Paul goes on to note that grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts in verse 7. Jesus not only unites his church, but he also equips each person in the body with gifts that are essential to the church carrying out the function, carrying out the mission to which we have been called and, and, and revealing the glory and the grace of God and his wisdom in this world. The unity of the body is exercised and manifested in the diversity of gifts that Jesus gives. Now notice that these are are gifts of grace. He has given grace to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. These are not something that we, we earn or we've deserved or somehow we, again, achieve or manifest in and of ourselves. But grace that Christ bestows based on his victory over sin and death. And Paul notes this. He quotes from Psalm 68, a psalm which celebrates God's victory over all his enemies. And he, he, Paul understands that victory is now fully rendered in Jesus' coming down to earth, descending to earth, and conquering sin and death through his own sacrifice, and then rising victoriously from the grave and ascending to the, to the right hand of the Father. Often a, a conquering king would return from battle, leading a, a train of his, his captive enemies and distributing the spoils of victory to his people. And that's the, the picture 
Paul gives to us here. Jesus is the victorious king of kings. And having defeated the powers and the principalities of this world and having set free those of us who are bound in in bondage to, to sin and death, he now leads forth triumphantly and gifts and equips his people with grace to strengthen and advance his kingdom in this world. And so the way God builds up the body of Christ, the way that God grows and matures his church is not through just his individual work in each one of us separate from one another, but rather through the equipping of each member with gifts that are important to the unity and the growth of the church overall. Every single one of you here who is in Christ has been gifted for that purpose. You have a purpose in God's plan. You have a purpose in God's people. You have a purpose in the advancement and the growth and the strengthening of God's kingdom. And the diversity of those gifts is essential to our functioning together as one body. Paul notes that part of that grace in Christ is giving to the church specific people in specific roles. He not only gifts each member, but he gifts the church as a whole with leaders to prepare and equip each member for the work of ministry. He says Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. He has called and gifted certain leaders, all of whose function, notice, is related to, to the communication, to the teaching and the, and, the, uh, and the applying of the truth of God's word and the truth of the gospel. God gifts the church with leaders whose function is not to, to do all the work of ministry themselves, but to equip, to prepare, to engage the saints. That's every believer in the body. To use your gifts for the work of ministry. To serve Christ. To serve one another. To serve his kingdom. In other words, the equipping for ministry comes as we are rooted and grounded in the truth of the gospel, in the truth of God's word, as we are nourished and strengthened in God's truth and grace. So God structures the body such that there are those who are called to the ministry of the word and to pastor and shepherd God's flock in order to, that every member of the body will be prepared to use their gifts in serving others. And that's what ministry is. Ministry, that word just means service. It's a service to God. It's a service to one another in the body. And if you think about the physical body and how absolutely amazing it is in the connectedness of every part, such that every part has its unique function, and every part impacts all the other functions. You may not notice that until you start feeling a little pain somewhere. And that pain may be localized to one part, but then it begins to affect how every other part functions. And that's the picture Paul paints here of the church. The whole body is joined together in Christ. Each person, each part is connected to the others and has its unique unique function that is vital to the building up and strengthening of the whole. And so as I said last week, you need the church. And the church needs you. We're joined together. We are one in Christ. And and each of us is gifted in various ways for, for the encouragement and the building up and the strengthening of all the others 
in the faith that we might grow together to a fullness in Christ. It may be that you're a teacher and people see firsthand the benefit and impact of your ministry. It may be that you're a one who prays and the true fruit of your work is not always so visible. You may have gifts of music or cooking or, or working with children or doing finances or encouraging people or fixing things or, or writing cards. There's just countless, countless ways in which we individually serve and encourage one another and serve God in His kingdom. And you may not think that you have anything to offer to others, but that would be to call God a liar. Grace has been given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts, according to the abundance of His grace. And our unity in the body is manifest when each person is serving Christ in His kingdom with His gift of grace. And it's important to see this is not our work, but the work of Christ in us. He is the one who gives us grace. And our gifts are not that we might boast over others, but that we might benefit and build up His church. Jesus descended to the depths of the grave that he might conquer all his enemies, including sin and death for us. And now it is from him. It is from our head that we receive all that we are and have for the purpose of growing up into him who is our head. So what happens when we're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and when we are equipped by God's word and Christ's grace to manifest that unity from the, through the exercise of the gifts that he's given to us? Well, Paul says we can expect to mature in that unity together as we are built up and grow in Christ's likeness. Paul says the goal of this unity is that we will grow in a unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we would become literally mature, a mature man, the church of, of Jesus Christ seen as mature in Christ to the measure of the stature of His fullness. That we, not just individually, but we as the church, the body of Christ, will reflect more and more the image of Christ together. And so as we seek with all humility and gentleness and patience to maintain the unity of the Spirit, as we are equipped by Christ's gifts to serve and build up the body, Paul points to two results here of that maturity, of that growth. First, he says, we will become discerning and stable in the truth. He says, we will no longer be like children who are easily swayed. No, more like, no longer be like unmoored ships that are being tossed and blown about by every wind and wave of false teaching or of human philosophy or deceit. And brothers and sisters, we live in stormy times. We live in stormy times. There are winds and waves of false teaching and distorted worldviews breaking across the bow of the church every single day through our media through our government leaders, through our schools, through our neighbors and friends, and yes, even through some teachers in the church. How do we keep from getting blown off course? How do we keep from being like a, a naive little child who accepts whatever they are told at face value? How do we become discerning and anchored in the faith and the knowledge of Jesus so that we can weather such storm and avoid such lies? by being connected to Christ and to His body 
where we are hearing the truth of his word being preached, where we are experiencing the truth of his love and grace being lived out, where we are being built up together, praying for one another, encouraging one another, holding one another accountable, teaching and admonishing one another in the faith, where all of that's being worked out together in love. And when that's happening, we can stand against those waves in the, in the wind that blows, the winds of culture around us. But not only will we become dis- more discerning, or discerning and stable in the faith, Paul says we will also be people who speak the truth in love. I used to think that speak the truth in love meant being able to, to tell someone truth that, a truth that they weren't going to like, but doing it in a way that was really nice. Like telling one of my sons that they were going to get punished for what they did, but doing it with a, a smile on my face and a calm, sweet voice. And there's an element of that in this. We often have to break difficult news out of love for someone, and we want to do it in a loving way. But looked at in the context of what he has been saying, Paul here is referring here to speaking about the truth of God. Speaking the truth of God as we seek the unity of the Spirit and we are built up in our faith together through the ministry of the body of Christ, we become more and more bold for the truth of the gospel. We see ourselves together as as God's church, as as those who are taking taking the truth of God's word out into the world. We are called to proclaim that truth and to do it in love, out of love. The same love with which we have been loved. We will be more willing to confront false teaching and more eager to share the good news of Jesus with those who are lost. More willing to correct and admonish one another according to the truth. As we are are pursuing unity in that truth. As we are are using our gifts and and encouraging and and building one another up in that truth, the truth of the gospel. And as we do so, as we're joined together in Christ, united by His Spirit, equipped by His grace, serving one another with our gifts and His power, we will as a body, as Paul says, be built up in love and grow to a maturity in Christ that can never be shaken. Brothers and sisters, how can we walk in a manner worthy of our calling here at Ambassador? Well, first and most important, be sure that you are connected to the head. (laughs) That means first and foremost, know without a doubt the, the bond of peace with God that comes through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, alone. You cannot be connected with the body if you're not joined to the head in Jesus Christ. Union with God and union with His church begins with with turning from our sin, acknowledging our need for Christ, trusting in Him alone for our salvation, being reconciled to God through His death, burial, and resurrection. Do you know the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace? By sharing in, in the one faith, the one hope, the one baptism through the one Lord, Jesus Christ. And if so, then look around you and recognize that you are going to spend eternity, eternity, not just the next few years, but eternity 
with the people sitting in this room and the people who are in Christ from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And so let us be eager to maintain the unity that we have in a, in, in a manner with, in which we relate to one another. It happens as we desire and pursue connection with one another. Take time to get to know one another. Take time here on Sunday after church or, or during the week to, to reach out to someone in this church that you haven't met before or to call someone you don't know very well. Invite folks over for dinner or set up a time to meet for lunch or to get together to do something fun. Share testimonies together of how you came to the faith. Ask questions of one another. Get to know one another's life stories. Pray for one another. Ask one another how you can pray and then take time to pray together. We are part of the, the same family. Unity grows and it strengthens as God's people share and experience life together, not just here on Sunday mornings, but as well during the week. And so, so don't wait to be invited. Invite. Don't wait to be called. Pick up the phone and call. Get to know one another and encourage one another in the faith. Look for ways to, to build one another up in love. If you notice something praiseworthy about someone, tell them. That's an encouragement. And if you see or hear of someone struggling in some way, just reach out to them. Pray for them. See how you can serve them. They might say there's nothing that you can do, but that's okay. Oftentimes when we ask, we'll be surprised. But simply letting people know you care is encouragement in itself. Be growing in the Word. The foundation upon which we are built up as the body of Christ is the truth of God's Word. The truth of the Gospel. It's been revealed to us through His Son and by His Spirit. And so be present as the Word is preached and taught. But not only that, be active in pursuing growth in the knowledge of God through regular time of, of reading and studying His Word. Getting together with others to, to work through passages or just to study together. Test the spirits and the things you hear by the infallible, inerrant word of the living God. If you're not sure something is true, hold it up to the lens of Scripture. And if you don't understand something or have questions, seek out one of your pastors or one of your elders or a mature believer who are tasked with feeding and equipping you in the truth. Grow in God's Word. Be quick to pursue reconciliation. This year has tested our unity in the body of Christ a great deal. Not just here, but I think in the larger body of Christ. And if you've had a conflict or a disagreement with someone, don't ignore it or pretend that it doesn't matter. Seek to resolve it with humility and gentleness. Sometimes just talking with the person will reveal a, a misunderstanding or sometimes it will reveal a sin that needs to be repented of in our own hearts that we can take before the Lord. Sometimes it will mean overlooking an offense and bearing with one another in love, but dealing with the sin that sparks disunity quickly and straightforwardly is key to maintaining the unity of the Spirit. 
and look for opportunities to serve with your gifts. Those opportunities abound within the body, not just here at Ambassador, but around the world. If you've, as we bring back our children's ministry and our discipleship ministries in the coming months, there'll be ongoing opportunity to take part. On Sundays here, using your gifts in, of music or greeting and hospitality, praying, following up with visitors, just welcoming one another. Everyone here has some manner in which you can contribute to the work of ministry within the body of Christ itself. But it's not just serving in ministries in the church. It's looking around you and seeing how you can serve others in Christ's name. Little acts of loving service rooted in the grace which Christ has gifted you draws His people together. It builds them up and strengthens them in the faith. And often it draws those outside into the body of Christ. One of Jesus' final prayers to his father was for the church, universal, for those who would believe through the, the testimony of, of his disciples. And his prayer was that they, that we, that his church would be brought to complete unity in order that the world might know that God sent his son Jesus and that he has loved his church with the same love that, that the Father and the Son have for one another. That's what God calls us to. That's what we are to walk in a manner worthy of. And may God enable us to maintain and to manifest and to mature together in the unity which he has given to us in Christ Jesus in which he calls us to live out together in our lives as his people. Let's pray together. Father, this oneness, this unity, this organic life-giving union that we have with you and with one another, Father, it is, it is hard for us to grasp. And it is even harder for us to see in a in a, in a fallen and broken world where we as sinners continue to wrestle with that which would divide us and separate us. But Father, we thank you that unity is not something that we have to achieve on our own, but that you have achieved for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would just give us eyes to see that rooted in the gospel, that rooted in the truth of your word, that rooted in the, in the commands which you have for us and in the, in the righteousness which you have given to us and in the love which you have poured out in us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, rooted in that, we belong to you and we belong to one another. And I thank you for the body of Christ here at Ambassador. I thank you for each and every one of those that you have brought into this fellowship, Lord, where we are just one small part, one small member of the, of the larger body together, of your people and saints from all time and all places. And Lord, you are at work in and through us to make us more and more like your son Jesus, to grow us in holiness and in truth and in grace and to manifest in us and through us your wisdom and your love 
and your truth and grace to this world. Lord, we cannot do that in and of ourselves. And so I pray for your spirit right now to fill us to the fullness of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would leave this place eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, which is ours. That we would be be more and more equipped by your grace and that we would would see your gifts in our lives and we would use those, Father, to, to build one another up, to strengthen the bonds which we have in Christ. And Lord, that we would grow daily in maturity, in spiritual maturity and growth in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask that you would do that for your glory and for your kingdom. Father, for the sake of your church, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.